episode. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. They kept saying the same thing. There are no toxins in the air. Don't worry. Yet with thousands of fish, hens, and roosters suddenly dropping dead, signs suggest that 25 million people at least should be extremely concerned about this World One, World War One poison gas. It all happened on February 3rd, 2023. A train carrying toxic chemicals derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, a town near the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. In total, 38 rail cars derailed, and a massive fire that broke out damaged an additional 12 cars. While no immediate fatalities or injuries were reported, the hazardous materials released from the cars and there are concerns over a potential explosion and it prompted evacuations and residents are now wondering if it's safe to return to their homes or whether their long-term health as well as their air, water, and soil has been permanently affected. According to Dr. Joseph Mercola, in his recitation concerning this, the train operated by Norfolk Southern included 20 cars carrying hazardous materials. 11 of them derailed. The National Transportation Safety Board published a list of the contents of the 11 cars, which included vinyl chloride. It's a flammable gas carried on the five of the cars, and vinyl chloride is used to make hard plastic resin as found in many consumer products. But inhaling vinyl chloride could lead to life-threatening respiratory issues. Already is. When it breaks down in the air or burns, it can lead to the creation of hydrogen chloride, a respiratory irritant and phosgene, which was used as a deadly poison gas in World War I. And it's also very carcinogenic. In fact, vinyl chloride exposure is associated with an increased risk of a rare form of liver cancer, as well as primary liver cancer, and brain and lung cancers, and lymphoma and leukemia. And in addition to outdoor air contamination, if vinyl chloride contaminates a water supply, it can enter household air if that water is used for showering, cooking, or laundry. So, according to Congressman Jamal Bowman, nearly one million pounds of vinyl chloride were in this train, and now the EPA has confirmed it's entered the Ohio River Basin, home to 25 million people, and one of the deadliest environmental emergencies in decades, and no one is talking about it. It's not necessary for us to go into all the details concerning this, but it is necessary for us to lay a foundation for our conversation here today. And so what I want to do is lead you immediately to the book of Isaiah. Is there a link between river pollution and biblical prophecy? I want to be a little careful here because the Bible doesn't specifically say particularly which nation that this is talking about. But interestingly, 
In almost all other places the Bible refers to nations, it specifically names those nations. So apparently the nation that exists or did not exist at the time that Isaiah 18 was written is a nation that now exists. And so here it is. Please listen very carefully. Woe to the land shadowing with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia that sends ambassadors by the sea even in vessels of bulrushes upon the water, saying, Go, ye swift messengers, to a nation scattered and peeled, to a people terrible from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out and trodden down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. Consider those words, whose land the rivers have spoiled. All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth See, when he lifts up an ensign on the mountains, and when he blows a trumpet here, the he is talking about this nation, the nation that Isaiah 18 is talking about. For so the Lord said, I will take my rest, and I will consider in my dwelling places like a clear heat upon herbs. For before the heart, when the bud is perfect, and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, He, that is this nation, shall both cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches. And they shall be left together unto the fowls of the mountains and to the beasts of the earth, and the fowls shall summer upon them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. At that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts of a people, scattered and peeled. In other words, the people of this nation that Isaiah 18 is referencing. At that time, when this happens, shall present, it shall be presented to the Lord of hosts of a people scattered and peeled, and from a people terrible from their beginning, a nation meted out and trotted underfoot, whose land the rivers have spoiled, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. So let me ask you a question. What nation is this? Now, if you were to read commentaries concerning this, you'll get everything under the sun. People like to focus on the word Ethiopia. And so their mind and their heart is immediately brought to Ethiopia. But Ethiopia existed at that time. This says beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. In other words, beyond the rivers of Africa, beyond the longest river in the world, which is the Nile River, or the second longest, which is the Amazon, beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, it's talking about some nation that was not currently then existing because it's not given a name. What nation could this be? that is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, that sends ambassadors by the sea everywhere in the world, that scattered a people that have been strong and awesomely revered or feared from their beginning, a nation that's meted out and trodden down, in other words, that's divided legally into all kinds of parcels down to the smallest parcels, and whose land the rivers have spoiled. And this nation is so powerful 
that when that nation and the dwellers of the earth see that nation lift up an ensign, and when he blows a trumpet, listen up, sound, hear, because something very powerful is about to take place in the world. And when the bud of that nation is perfect, in other words, when the flower of that nation is ready to burst forth and everything seems to be at its height, its most powerful, he will be cut off. And the sprigs are going to be cut off with pruning hooks, and they're going to take down the branches, and it's going to be left with a small remnant of the very same people from that nation that will be presented to the Lord in the name of the Lord in the Mount of Zion. What does this mean? Should we talk about it? We will today. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The headline reads, the poisoning of eastern Ohio and western Pennsylvania is much worse than we are being told. The true horror of what has just happened in East Palestine, Ohio, is starting to become clear, but federal, state, and local officials continue to insist that everything is just fine. So even though local residents have been puking up blood and developing weird rashes on their skin, everybody's being told that it's perfectly safe to return. Safe to drink the water. And it's making a lot of people angry. Because many of those people are getting sick, and so many of them are going to die. So, we want to take a look at what this really is about. And does it have any significance whatsoever, a tie-in to the prophecy, the strange prophecy of Isaiah 18? The only prophecy that I'm aware of in the Bible that talks about a geographical position or place that doesn't give it a name. All it says is it's the land shadowing with wings. It's beyond the river of Ethiopia. In other words, it's beyond the scope of the knowledge, the then knowledge of the prophet and the people of that day. And it's talking about a people that from their very beginning have been seen as awesome, fearful, terrifying to some parts of the world, but awesome. In other words, a a very strange phenomenon that's come about in the world that hasn't been seen before in the same way. And it's a land that's broken down in all kinds of parcels, so much so that when you fly over it, almost every area of arable land is divided and marked out so that you can see all of the meets and bounds. And the nation is so powerful 
that when this nation lifts up the ensign, the sign of battle, and blows the trumpet, the rest of the world better listen up. Now, that's what's being described here in Isaiah chapter 18. One of the problems with understanding this particular passage is that, in reality, most of the people that are wanting to try to figure out what it means are blinded. They're blinded by their own viewpoints, their predisposed notions as to what it could be. But I want to think outside the box here today and look at this passage with a new and fresh set of eyes and understanding. I am not here today to say this is exactly this interpretation. On the other hand, I would almost defy you to come up with a better one, with a clearer understanding of Isaiah 18. And so, we continue on by looking at the developments since February 3rd. It caused a massive fire and prompted officials to evacuate hundreds of people who lived near the site of the train derailment because of fears the hazardous, highly flammable material might ignite. Well, that was just almost uh, child play compared to what it was really about. To prevent a potentially deadly explosion, toxic vinyl chloride gas was vented and burned, releasing a plume of black smoke over the town for days. Very much like what happened at Mount uh, St. Helens. And you know what happened in Mount St. Helens? When it blew, it changed everything. The entire landscape changed. My wife and I were once climbing Saint, Mount St. Helens two years before, before it blew its top. We actually set our tent on a glacier on Mount St. Helens. And Mount St. Helens doesn't even exist today as it did then. It blew its stack. And the gases that were sent forth, plus the lava, poisoned everything. Now, burning vinyl chloride, as the rail company ultimately did, turns it into hydrogen chloride and phosgene gas. And that was a gas that was used for mass slaughter in World War I, a weapon. So basically, the town was nuked with chemicals for the purpose of getting a railroad open. The air, the soil, and water in much of eastern Ohio and western Pennsylvania have been poisoned and they will continue to remain poisoned for the foreseeable future. But the CEO of Norfolk Southern insists that the burning of the vinyl chloride was the right move. Well, I can understand that they might have thought that was the right move, but that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences that were unexpected. So this terrifying plume of toxic smoke resulting from the controlled release signaled what appeared to be success. But that success is degenerating into disaster. 
Are we witnessing a cover-up of epic proportions? And that the officials that are participating in this, including the government, including Mr. Buttigieg, should be held responsible? It isn't just the adults that are being affected. Children are being brought back to their homes in East Palestine, quickly developing extremely alarming symptoms once they return. We don't have time to go into all of those symptoms and so on, but this is the story, this is the basic foundational story out of which we develop our program today. So, this has been called the worst environmental emergency in years, and the question is, is the media lying? Is the government lying? Is the media just spouting what governmental agents say, or is there any independent investigation going perhaps to disconnected doctors who are able, or, or scientists, who are able to take a fresh and honest look and don't have a horse in the race or a dog in the fight. That's what needs to happen. There were reports of dead animals and fish near the derailment. Apparently, it's already poisoning much of life. But that's not all. We want to look way beyond that, friends. And so, I did a little research. Here's what I came up with, just in summary. About half of U.S. water is too polluted for swimming, fishing, or drinking. About half. A new report by the Environmental Integrity Project has found that 50 years since the passage of the Clean Water Act, the country's waterways are severely polluted. The report found about half of the river and stream miles and lake acres across the U.S. are too polluted for swimming, fishing, or drinking. The report defines impaired as waters that are too polluted to meet standards for swimming and recreation, aquatic life, fish consumption, or as drinking water sources. Now, if water cannot be used for those things, is it even water? As we understand water. Water, we're told to drink of the water of life freely. That's what Jesus said. Drink of the water of life freely. I am the living water, Jesus said. Because water is supposed to sustain life. Humankind cannot live without water more than about three days. But what if the waters of the largest, the, let's put it this way, the most powerful nation on the planet become seriously polluted so that there is relatively little living water left. Now what? Is that nation still prosperous? It may appear to be prosperous, but is it prosperous if it cannot sustain life that exists in the nation, within the bounds of the nation? 
Is it creating a situation of desperation for that nation in order to glean or restore clean water so that the people in the nation can survive and thrive? That's the question. The next article, the seven most polluted rivers in the U.S. This document revealed that 55% of the country's rivers were in poor condition with conditions getting worse. Now, I'm not an environmentalist, per se. I believe in trying to do what we can to protect the environment, to keep it uh, usable by the people because the environment is here to serve us we're not here to serve the environment per se mother earth is here for us we're not here to worship mother earth we're here to worship father god so you need to understand that i'm not coming to you today as an environmentalist that's a religious a quasi-religious system but what we are seeing is that rivers now contain both organic and inorganic pollutants, pesticides and fertilizers are run off from residential yards into rivers. Biological pollutants such as pet waste, sediment, and farm waste are also polluted in the rivers. Nitrates and phosphates are also common contaminants found in the most polluted rivers in the U.S. Industrial waste is also a huge problem and is ruining the rivers. So here are the seven most polluted rivers. Are you ready? Number one on the list is the Ohio River, the one that is currently most prominently characterized by the effects of this train wreck. So this is more than a train wreck, friends. This is an environmental wreck. The Ohio River is distinguished as one of the most polluted rivers in the U.S. Industrial waste is the main problem. Fishermen have been warned about the high mercury levels in the fish. Don't eat those. It's dangerous. The next is the Mississippi River. Guess what? The contaminants from the Ohio River are now making their way into the Mississippi River. Before that ever took place, the brown color of the Mississippi River is caused by sediment. And is the reason this large mass of water is often returned to as the Big Muddy. Fertilizer contaminants in the Mississippi are reasonable for a dead zone of six to 8,000 square miles located where the river runs into the Gulf of Mexico. So it's actually poisoning the Gulf. The next on the list, the Tennessee River. Guess what? The Tennessee River is another river that this debacle in West Palestine, Ohio, is being is affecting. In a study, 121 people from the area were tested and shown to have elevated uh, levels in the blood. This is long before this particular event took place. A lawsuit was filed against corporate polluters of the Tennessee River. And health risks related to thyroid disease, cancer, immune system problems, and ulcerative colitis increased with the pollutants present in the Tennessee River. That was before the hydrogen chloride now pouring into the Mississippi and Tennessee rivers. 
The next one is Cayuga River, so polluted that it has caught fire on several occasions. Now, that's pretty pretty uh, polluted. It runs through Ohio, another river in Ohio. And it was responsible to inspire the passage of the Clean Water Act passed in 1972. And it's full of industrial waste, one of the most polluted rivers in the U.S. Another in Tennessee, the Holston River, makes the list of the most polluted rivers in the U.S., is seriously polluted with toxic chemicals. An ammunition plant, the chief source. The Harpeth River. And the next one on the list. And finally, the New River. The stench from the New River is unmistakable, points to the high level of pollution in the water, flows into California from Mexico, and that's the top seven. Oh, but there are many more. We're just not going to go into them today. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Again, we're taking a look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 18, that begins with these words. Woe to the land shadowing with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, that sends ambassadors by the sea to a nation scattered and peeled, to a people terrible from the beginning, hither to a nation meted out and trotted down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see ye when he lifts up an ensign on the mountains. In other words, is preparing for battle and blows a trumpet. Listen up, ye nations of the world. And before the final harvest, when the bud in that nation is perfect and everything seems to be great, the sour grape is ripening, ye shall both cut off the sprigs Apparently, God will cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches of that nation. In other words, that nation is going to be seriously devastated, but not totally destroyed. And as a result of what happens to that nation, the remnant, a small remnant that are worshipers of the Lord, are going to be brought to the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. In other words, they're going to be saved from this catastrophe. God is going to protect a remnant of his people that are going to be destroyed in this catastrophe 
where the rivers have spoiled the land. Now, what land do you think this is talking about? Remember, there is no name given to this land. In other words, it apparently is a land that did not exist to the knowledge of anyone on this planet at the time Isaiah wrote this. Well, what nation might that be that is so great today? They already knew about Russia, not by that name, but they already knew about Russia. They already knew about the Roman Empire, but that came a little bit later. They already knew about Egypt. They already knew about the Middle East. They already knew about Africa. So what nation didn't they know about that would be so strong and so powerful? There's one in particular that comes to my mind. And I regret that it does come to my mind, and it's because I regret that it does. It's the reason why the majority of interpreters refuse to consider that this passage might refer to America. They don't want to believe that, because we're the exceptionalist nation, you see. We're beyond anything like this that could possibly happen. But the reality is, friends, it is happening. About 15, 20 years ago, I was looking through the newspaper and found an article. It wasn't a huge article, but it was an article, and the headline caught my attention. Here's what it said. Rivers Spoiling America. This was like 15, 20 years ago. Rivers spoiling America. And the moment I saw that, I thought of Isaiah 18. Woe to the land, chattering with wings, whose land the rivers have spoiled. Do you have any idea how blessed we are with water here in this country? It's amazing. It's just amazing. Even California, as tough as it is to get water in California, comparatively speaking, compared to many areas of Africa and so on, even California is blessed. But I tell you, we're blessed immensely because of the free availability of water, both through our rivers, our lakes, and rain. And yes, even snow. Snow on the mountains that flows down and melts and flows down. California's blessed with that, from Mount Lassen to the uh, uh, Sierra Nevada mountains and so on. A lot of water comes down from the snow there, especially right now as Southern California is hit with a terrible winter storm with snow and wind. Unbelievable. And they call it global warming. Just as an aside, they call that global warming. All right, enough facetiousness. So let's talk about this, the impact then of this issue. Could it be that, reasonably speaking, we are inheriting 
a curse that we have brought upon ourselves with carelessness so as to poison the waters, not only of the earth, but of our own country. If 55% of the waters and rivers of our country are being admitted to being seriously polluted, that's a lot of water, friends, whose land the rivers have spoiled. And this water is leaching into the land everywhere. And now comes this major event in West Palestine, Ohio. Hydrogen chloride and all of the other associated gases and chemicals now seeping in. Here's another one. Related to that uh, disaster there in Ohio. Butyl acrylate. This flammable liquid is dangerous if swallowed. It can irritate the respiratory system, skin, and eyes. It poses a serious health hazard. It could cause breathing difficulties. Ethylene glycol monobutyl ether. This chemical used in paint strippers and household cleaners can cause serious or irreversible chronic health effects, including liver toxicity, damage to the eye, skin, kidneys, and blood. Ethylexyl acrylate. This potential carcinogen is used to make plastics and protective coatings. Inhalation can lead to convulsions, shortness of breath, and a buildup of fluid in the lungs. Isobutylene. This gas is used to make rubber for tires and inner tubes. It can cause dizziness and unconsciousness if inhaled, along with skin and eye irritation. Benzene. This carcinogen also causes genetic mutations. Exposure can lead to coma, irregular heartbeat, and damage to blood cells. While the train wasn't carrying benzene when it derailed, residues existed because two empty cars had previously carried the toxic chemical. All right. So, those are some additional chemicals that are involved other than just the hydrogen chloride. So, it has been proven that vinyl chloride that produces the hydrogen chloride causes birth defects in humans, but studies in animals suggest that vinyl chloride might affect growth and development. Animal studies also suggest that infants and young children might be more susceptible than adults to vinyl chloride-induced cancer. So many are now questioning the curious timing of the updates. A congressman says, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but why did the CDC update their profile for vinyl chloride 11 days before the train crash in Ohio? Interesting. They updated their profile for vinyl chloride. So let's look at that. In a strange turn of events, the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, a division of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, released an updated toxicological profile for vinyl chloride in January of 2023. 
The last time that profile was updated was 2006, 17 years ago. And one change that was observed so far increased the level of exposure causing heart damage. At high concentrations, vinyl chloride was uh, been shown to sensitize the heart to epinephrine, uh, resulting in cardiac arrhythmias in dogs. It has a sufficiently, the 2023 version has a significantly higher limit, stating at high concentrations, vinyl chloride was shown to sensitize the heart to epinephrine, resulting in cardiac arrhythmia. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention also recently modified its vinyl chloride webpage, removing the sections titled, How Can Vinyl Chloride Affect Children? Has the federal government made recommendations to protect human health? Reportedly, this section related to children, including the following before it was removed. It's been proven. Here's what they removed. It's been proven that vinyl chloride causes both defects in humans, but studies in animals suggest that vinyl chloride might affect growth and development. Animal studies also suggest that infants and young children might be more susceptible than adults to vinyl chloride-induced cancer. So, the question now is, in some nefarious way, did the CDC and Health and Human Resources, did they have a foreboding that something like this was going to take place? And if they did, what did they do about it? Or did they just try to make people feel better by removing the seriousness of the effect if it happened? Now, those things, those questions relate to our country and what's happening now. But the reason this program is coming on today is not for that reason. It's to ask the question, are these issues with regard to our rivers and waterways actually the fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah 18? Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. On this program, Viewpoint, via our website, we used to provide... Uh, the big Berkey water filtration systems. Uh, I don't know if they're still available there. You'll have to check and see whether they're still available there on our website. 
these were the most effective water purification uh, efforts uh, that the average human being uh, could avail themselves of. They weren't cheap. They were several hundreds of dollars. Uh, my wife and I have two of them, uh, which we've had for many, many years. Also, there are these uh, special straws, purification straws, that can be uh, purchased. I saw them even at Costco. And, uh, of course, that's not going to allow you to process a lot of water, but it does allow you to process some water for drinking purposes. Uh, Whether that will expunge uh, the water from vinyl chloride or any of these other pollutants, I cannot tell you, and I'm not going to pretend to do that. Uh, But the reality is we need to take fairly seriously without turning it into a fetish. This is not about uh, trying to stir up fear, friends, concerning our water, but rather to help us to see that these things are symptoms or but they're part of the fulfillment of biblical prophecy to tell us what time we are in. Therefore, what should we do? We should prepare the way of the Lord in our lives. You can, you can have all the pure water in the world, but if you don't drink it, it does you no good. You can have all the best food and uncontaminated food in the world, but if you don't eat it, it does you no good. Similarly, you can have 10 copies of the Bible. You can have every translation of the Bible in your library. You can have uh, the greatest tapes and uh, whatever from the greatest Bible speakers and teachers in the world. But if you don't don't assimilate that, not just the information, I'm not talking about information. If you do not walk in the reality of that, it does you no good. That's our problem in America. That's our problem in our churches. We are obese with information, but we're not walking in it. We're not walking in the light of God's word. If we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. That's our problem. We don't trust and we don't obey. Therefore, the water of life does us no good. The meat of the word does us no good because we're not eating the meat of the word. As the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, look, at a time when you ought to be teachers, you have one that feeds you again the milk of the word. You should be eating the hard meat of the word, but you're not. So what's wrong with us? We're a bunch of babies. That's what's wrong with us. We're immature, spiritual babies. And when the tough times come, which are coming, do you not see this? As they're coming, the people are not prepared. They're not prepared spiritually. They're not prepared to endure what is coming upon the earth. You might say, well, this was just a happenstance. This was just a fluke. This, oh, really? Well, how about all the other reports? The 55% of the nation's 
rivers and waterways are polluted and cannot be, you can't swim in them, you can't drink from them. How about that? Were that was that a fluke too? No. This is the reason why it's important to read Isaiah 18 without blinders on our eyes. This very well may be referring to America. As I have flown over America, across so-called flyover country, what do you see? You see a land divided up with meets and bounds everywhere. The whole land is parceled out. That's not a bad thing. It just is. It's parceled out. That's what this passage says. A land meted out and trodden down whose land the rivers have spoiled. Hmm. So what other country do you think that might be that didn't exist at the time that the Bible was written? What other country do you think that might be that was so powerful? Somebody say, woe to the land shattering with wings. Well, what does that mean? Have you heard of an airplane? Whose land they send out ambassadors by the sea? Hmm. A, a land that the whole world is focused on? So that when that particular land lifts up a battle ensign and blows the trumpet of battle, did the whole world better listen up? Well, I suppose you could say it might be China. They've got some polluted rivers. I suppose you could say it could be Russia. But but what other land out there is there that could meet these qualifications? Certainly no land in Africa. So people stumble over the word Ethiopia, beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Well, that's just the farther extent, farthest extent of the known world at that time. That's why it's worded this way. In my opinion, friends, and I'm, I'm voicing an opinion, I'm not giving you a thus saith the Lord. Because the word America does not exist in the Bible. America did not exist at that time as a country. It didn't exist for a thousand, two thousand years later. So what was the prophet supposed to say? What would you have said? When you're given a picture by the Holy Spirit... This land shadowing with wings, what, what would that look like? Some translations call it whirring wings. Okay. Well, helicopters have whirring wings. Airplanes used to have whirring wings with propellers, right? Wouldn't that be sound like whirring wings? Shadowing with wings? All right, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. But I think it's important for us 
to think a little bit more outside of our America box. I love my country. When we form Save America Ministries, obviously, it was because I loved my country and I felt that God was calling me to bring a message to the American people, but particularly to the church in America because the church was God's warmest audience. And America is not really, in its essence, is not a corporation. It's a people. This passage in Isaiah talks about a people who were powerful or terrible from the beginning. It's talking about the people. Our country has been looked at as a very amazing place. How could such a thing have happened so quickly? One of the youngest nations in the world had become so powerful so quickly. Well, is it because God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her? Probably partly. But what is there for the Lord to stand beside and guide now? As we pollute everything, we're polluting not just the rivers, we're polluting the air we breathe. We're polluting the spiritual air we breathe. We're polluting our government. We're polluting our thinking. We're polluting our morals. We're polluting everything. And we think that somehow we're sanctimonious and we're protected from the judgment of God? Come on, folks. And no, my name isn't Joe Biden. I didn't say, come on, man. I said, come on, folks. (laughs) Look, it's time for us to take these things seriously. We're living with blinders on. This world is not my home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon us to heaven's open door, and we can't feel at home increasingly in this world, this polluted world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know we have no friend like you. If heaven's not our home, then, Lord, what shall we do? The angels beckon us from heaven's open door, and we can't feel at home in this world anymore. Yes, we're to be in the world, but not of it. And friends, there's only so long that you can survive as the pollution increases. Do you smell it? Do you feel it? Is it hard for you to send out your children into the public school where you know they're going to be polluted to the max? Hello? The music? The entertainment? And now they want to bless pornography. Talk about pollution. The pollution is so vast that it is beyond our willingness to comprehend. I mean, it's hard for us to hear Vladimir Putin seven years ago say that Russia had become the moral center of the world because America had become so debaucherous, so polluted. It's hard for us to understand that. 
because we think too highly of ourselves, more highly than we ought to think. It's okay to be grateful for God's blessings. It's okay to be thankful, and we should be. But if we live in the worship of our godly heritage and forget to live godly in the present, all it is is idolatry. Anybody listening? Now, I want to urge you to get a copy of my book, Messiah and also Antichrist. These two books will help you to understand the times that we live in. No, it doesn't talk about the pollution of the rivers. It's a much bigger picture than that. God paints that picture in his word from Genesis to Revelation, but for some reason, we're still not getting it. From pulpit to pew, we're still not getting it. Pastors want to uh, feed us sweet nothings, sugar, to keep our adrenaline system going on high as a pretense for the lack of solid spiritual food and life-giving spiritual nutrients. Messiah, $22. Antichrist, how to identify the coming imposter? $22. They're both on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us. If you're getting one book, you add $5 for postage and handling. If you buy both books, you add 5 plus 2, $7 total for the two books for postage and handling. And then read them gradually. Don't try to read them overnight. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to allow you to begin to prepare your life in the midst of such unbelievable pollution in our world. Make sense? And while you're doing that, consider becoming a partner, friends, as we're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Do it today. Go to the website. Make your generous gift that way. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us. We appreciate so much your support and your notes and your letters. What a blessing they are. God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 